Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS. 1220 and 98.1. To all of our viewers that have been listening to our show for over, over six years, they all know what Ask Brian is and what Ask Brian's about. But for the new viewers that have not listened to our show, we're going to try to help you out. First, Brian is spelled with an E. A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N. Now, many, many people say, hey, when I went to school, I had a couple friends named Brian. It was B-R-Y-A-N or B-R-I-A-N. The only Brian I know is spelled with an E is the O'Brien family down the street. They own the pub. And I have no clue why you're spelling Brian with an E. Well, we're not going to get into the reasons why. But we are going to tell you that Ask Brian Show, we interview each week a founder of a company, somebody that has a success story that we can that people can maybe relate to, or somehow people can learn something from our show. That's our goal. We do it every week, 1 to 2 p.m. Thursday. And California time, if you're listening to a podcast, maybe a different time, but that's what we do each week, and we have a great, great guest today, but before we get into that, Tracy, who's our Mrs. E expert, who I gave her <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and exactly wow. how you <laughs> I'm so, so proud of myself. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I think we're approaching two or three year anniversary for us, so, as my co-host, so I think that after two or three years handling my stuff, I think you become an expert. Yes, almost literally three years to the day, actually. So that's pretty exciting. Wow. I have to look up the I have to look up the actual date, but yes, it's three years to the almost to the day. And it you're was still around, summer. And I mean, you're don't still- ask me why. I'm a glutton for punishment. That's why. No, I'll tell you why I'm still around. Two reasons. One is because of our fabulous engineer, because we couldn't do the show without him. That's okay, but I mean, I can choose favorites, right? So, I mean, <laughs> just saying. But really, not to in any way discount the engineer, but I think one of the things that keeps me showing up every week is the quality of the experts that we interview and all of the solutions that they're providing into the world and problems they're solving and challenges that they're meeting and rising and, and excelling in. And so, yes, the Ask Brian Show, our, our E for expert is what keeps me coming back every week. So that is the fact that I really love to test myself to do this mathematical formula every single week and see if I get it right because you would think I would have it memorized by now, but every week is a new week. So I'm going to jump into how we define an expert. And an expert, and it's not just our definition, but in most business acumen-oriented conversations, an expert is defined by somebody who has 10,000 hours or more in their business category, their niche, their area of expertise, their industry. And that is based on entrepreneur who is working 40 hours a week on roughly 50, 52 weeks a year, and we're thinking, okay, based on that math, that would take you about five years, but we all know 
and we talk about this every time, that no entrepreneur with a startup who really wants to be uber successful or even just successful is able to do that in 40 hours a week. So we're estimating they shortcut that down to about three years. And our expert today is amazing. Can't wait to get into the content of the show. But before that, we do have a couple of other E's to mention, right? I think so. (laughs) You're just not even going to give me anything other than that, are you? Okay. So in addition to that, one of them is empathy that Peter lacks. And um, (laughs) I actually think that was unempathetic to make that comment. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, it may have been, but it was also factual. But empathy is a a very important role as as an entrepreneur, as well as enthusiasm. And when we tag on enthusiasm, that also indicates... Excitement! Yes! Absolutely! You have to be enthusiastic and excited. Yes, because not all days are great days. There are more great days than not great days, but you got it. When all you have some days is your enthusiasm and your excitement, you got to just bring it forth. And then we also have uh, a couple of other E's that are really important, like education. We are all about educating people. In fact, we're all about providing so much education that we shortcut your learning curve so that you don't have to make the same mistakes that our experts have made because we're going to educate you so that you can prevent those. And we're even going to bring in resources like legal steps and all kinds of things that can help you be successful as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So how about that? Well, that's a lot. It's not all of them, but we do have to, we have such a great guest. I don't want to miss any of what he's going to tell us about. So we're going to go into your favorite one. We'll do the others later, but you know, I know that you love Miss Olivia Newton-John, former, and I know that you love grease whitening, and grease whitening is what? It's electrifying, because we're electrifying, and yes, that is my favorite and there you have it. <laughs> well, if he's still around, because he's like going, what did I get myself into? But Josh, are you there? Yep, I'm here. Hi there. Super, super to have you on. So I know you have a lot of experience and have a lot of background. To try to summarize, if you can, in about a minute or two, your background, and I want to get into your company and your product and all the stuff that you're doing, which is amazing. Wow. So uh, I have about a 30-year career in entrepreneurship. <laughs> I was just doing some quick math. I think I'm probably over 75,000 hours, so I guess that's <laughs> at least 10,000. Uh, pretty hard lot. to talk about that in one minute or less, but right now I'm, I'm running a business with my wife. The business is called Wild Zora. My wife is Zora. She's, she's not that wild anymore, not after 23 <laughs> years of marriage. <laughs> but Wild Zora is the 18th business that I've been a part of, uh, the startup of, uh, over the last 30 years. So I've done this startup entrepreneurial thing a whole bunch of times. So I'm happy to tell you anything you want to know about Wild Zora or any other business that I've, that I've started or run. I love entrepreneurship. Uh, I love working with and helping entrepreneurs. I'm also part of a business organization called, uh, it used to be called the Young Entrepreneurs Organization or YEO, but I was in it for too long. So now they, they renamed it. It's just called EO or Entrepreneurs Organization. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. So I think that's my one minute. <laughs> All right. So well, actually, you've actually given me more information now to go through. So first of all, you've done 18 businesses. Okay. 
what was the great, most important attribute that you needed or used for those 18 companies? What attribute do you think is the most important attribute to have to be successful? Wow. That's an unexpected question. You know, I wish I could say that, you know, I got really, really smart after all these business successes and failures that I've experienced and that with all that experience, I'm able to, to navigate the potholes and, uh, and have a success every single time. But the truth is, is that business is really hard. The world is a complex place. It's always changing. And I think that you can only strategize so much. In order to be successful, you've got to get out there. You've got to try things. And you have to test and iterate quickly. And, you know, in, in any chaotic system, there's so many things that can go wrong or, or that you can't see or, or won't expect, you know, making sure that, you, that you're out there trying and testing and, and looking for, uh, you know, the, the profitable vein of ore, if you will, over and over, because whatever is working today is probably not going to be working tomorrow. And so you've got to constantly be in motion. And so that willingness and persistence to, you know, keep swinging day after day, I think that's probably the most important thing. So would you say that uh, to be able to adapt is very important? Adapt to change the situation? Because I'm yeah. thinking, yeah. like, when you started your career, you know, and I, I, I've been practicing law for 32 years, so I'm pretty similar in that respect in terms of timing. You know, in the beginning, you know, the Internet wasn't that valuable, that important. And, of course, back then we had modems that went, you know, service AOL, they were charging about a minute just to be on the Internet. Now you can't really have a business where you don't have a presence. You don't have to be an only online business. There are businesses with physical locations, but you have to have at least a presence now. Back then, if you didn't have a presence, it wasn't going to really affect you. But let's go over the company itself. So the name of the company is it's Zora. Is that the name of the company? Well, my wife is Zora, and the business is called Wild Zora. You can see us online at wildzora.com. But that's our brand, if you will. That's the brand of healthy, portable food that we sell. But we also have some other businesses that are all kind of they fit together and are related. Another one is called Fully Healthy. Dot com. And the reason it's called fullyhealthy.com is that it's what we realize is that our food, the wild Zora food, some of it was very appropriate for people who have special dietary needs. Like, for example, people who are allergic to gluten, you know, maybe they're sensitive to gluten or they even have celiac disease. And then there's some other folks who have autoimmune conditions of various kinds and they need to eat food specifically for the autoimmune protocol diet or the AIP diet. Those might be folks with, you know, things like Crohn's disease or Hashimoto's or IBD or IBS. So there are, there are all these conditions, and, and we had folks who were calling us, asking us, hey, can we eat your food? I have, my son has such and such condition. Can we, can he eat your food? And so we started making food for these folks with these dietary constraints and dietary needs. And it turns out there were so many of them that we decided to make another website. You know, we were listening to the customers carefully, and, and we created FullyHealthy.com, and we sell the Wild Zora food there, as well as other brands who also cater to folks with those special dietary needs. So that's sort of turned into a secondary business. So first we have a brand, and then we also have this marketplace for people with dietary needs. Is your business exclusively online, or people can pick it up at a store or both? So the Wild Zora products are in stores. There's a little store called Kroger. That we're in. Very little, and, very little uh, small thing. Yep, yep. Another one in the Midwest called Meyer, M-E-I-J-E-R. We're also in REI stores nationwide. REI is a, an outfitter for folks who want to be 
you know, outside Hiking. backpacking or camping. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, and at REI, for example, we sell our, our uh, pouched meals. We call them the quick meals. So they're, they're pouches of freeze-dried food. You just put hot water in them, and they rehydrate. You get them right from the pouch. So, yeah, we're, we're available in a few stores. We're also available on Amazon, that, the other little digital store. And then, of course, our own They're website. very tiny. Very um, tiny. <laughs> yeah. Can you order online directly from the website, or you have to go through one of these outlets? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we've been trying to consolidate and simplify our business, actually. And so if you go to wildzora.com, it actually sends you, once you choose the product that you want, it sends you to fullyhealthy.com. Fully Healthy is still us. We're the same company. And we fulfill everything through that one website. So our, our single online website is fullyhealthy.com. The brand, or I should say one of our brands is Wild Zora. And just because I'm a glutton for punishment, we also are running another brand called CUSA, or C-U-S-A, tea and coffee. And so just like Wild Zora started out making portable, healthy food, meals and snacks, we also thought we should add beverages to the mix. And so we ended up acquiring another business, the CUSA company. So the website is drinkhusa, drinkcusa.com. And that's another brand that we have. Those same products are also available on Fully Healthy. We're all one big family here, but I guess I should make a distinction between kind of the two sides of the business here. One is the brand business, Kusa and Wildzora, and then the other is the marketplace business, which is the online store and, and then also sells in stores and, and on Amazon. And just... I know that you're interested in talking about entrepreneurship. Just to really make you confused, we even have a third leg of our stool. We have another operating entity that internally we call it Flatiron Food Factory, or F3 for short. And that's a business that makes ingredients for other brands. And so what we learned is that one of the hardest ingredients to find is really healthy, for example, grass-fed or free-range chicken and beef. And to freeze-dry it is really very difficult to find out there. Freeze-dried, grass-fed beef, for example. No one else had it. And so we started making it. <laughs> Once we started making it for ourselves, we had some other brands reach out to us and ask us if we can make it for them. So we have this manufacturing and co-packing business making freeze-dried protein. And that's the wow. F3 or the, the Flatiron Food Factory business. So you kind of have, in a way, you could say we have three tiers of the supply chain. We have the manufacturing, we have the brand, and we have the marketplace. And which is most difficult of the three? That's an easy answer. E-commerce. <laughs> it's e-commerce. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, if you were to ask me on the show if there's anything I'm looking for, <laughs> I would say if you if you know someone who's hum- humble, hungry, smart, and, and they know a lot about e-commerce or digital marketing, I'd love to talk to them because that's something that, you know, one of the businesses that's running, it's working, it's profitable, it's even growing. But it's the hardest of the three businesses to manage because there's so many fast-changing components of e-commerce these days. My goodness, you know, with AI coming on the scene and, you know, half the time, I don't even know when a service provider is, is you know, telling us what they do. I don't know if they have humans that are doing it or, or if the computers are doing it these days. And plus, you know, all the algorithms are changing across all the platforms like Google and Facebook and Instagram. And now they have a new one called Threads, I think, and TikTok. I mean, there's just so much I can barely keep up with it. That's probably the hardest part of our business to manage. Which part of the business marketing do you think is works the best, though, in e-commerce? I know that's kind of a tough question because that's, that's your tough area, but do you think it's social media? Do you think it's Google Ads? Do you think it's writing content and trying to get SEO? If you had to guess, this actually is a guess question. 
There is no yeah. right answer. And I yeah. just want to yeah. see your thoughts. I don't think there is one. And I think that something is at play here, which is kind of, uh, we'll call it the omni-channel strategy is probably the only strategy that works these days. It's kind of like saying, which organ is the most important, Peter? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> like, you take out, you take out an organ and probably going to miss it. And the same well, thing is I, I have with to say, e-commerce. the least important is probably the appendix, you know, or topic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> that's probably true. That's probably true, too. Although maybe eventually, you know, in the same way, you know, in an omni-channel strategy, you want to be visible wherever the shopper is. And so, you know, whether they're on a search engine, that's search engine marketing or SEM, or if it's social media marketing, SMM, of course, once people come to your site, then you want to have uh, conversion rate optimization that works. Of course, you want to have email marketing system that works. Even inside email marketing, you've got segmentation of the audience and the offers, and you want drip, a drip marketing campaign, meaning you want them to receive emails even after the fact. They, they might place the first order, and then if you learn something about them, you want to send them relevant information after the order to bring them back. I mean, there's just so many components of it. And again, that was the reason that I brought this up to begin with is that I feel like it's got to be the hardest thing, most complicated thing that we do. You know, I, in the manufacturing, I've got a, a 20,000 square foot facility with gigantic, you know, massive million dollar machines that are, va- you know, they're just dramatically easier <laughs> to run than all this, you know, this e-commerce uh, digital marketing stuff. That's interesting. You mentioned the word omnichannel because I'm a big listener for uh, Neil Patel, if you know who he is. And Neil Patel is always talking about omni-channel. That's one of his big things. But I wasn't sure if he was saying omni-channel because it's correct or he was just saying it. Well, since I practice in all these areas, I can get money from you anyway, so I'll just try to sell you on everything. So, you know, because you always have that concept, right? When a marketer is trying to sell you the marketing program, oh, get a funnel, do the drip campaign, do an SEM campaign. SEO is the first one. Remember, they're selling it. So you have to have that little, there's that little bias you know, entrenched in there. So, but it's nice to hear somebody who's actually in the game and who's doing this and, and confirming that, you know, that what the marketers are saying is accurate. There is no one specific item and you just have to do a lot of different things and some of it sticks and some of it works out. And I think that works for a lot of other businesses as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the legal profession, you know, I used to advertise back in the day, the yellow pages and here and there and all these other places. And, you know, my friends used to say, you just try it out and see if it works. And if it works, you stick with it. And if it doesn't, you know, after a certain period of time, the test is over. And our co-host, Tracy, her favorite word is pivot. So go ahead, Tracy. Why don't you pivot from the conversation I had? I thought my conversation was going great, but you always love to pivot. So please go ahead and pivot. Well, I, I will. And thank you for that permission to do so. I would love to. Because <laughs> I was going to do it anyway. I would love to explore, if you will, using one of our e-words, just the origination of, I mean, you've got a lot going on with a lot of brands and a lot of exciting ways that you're impacting people with dietary restrictions. But give me a little bit of the backstory on how did you get to this place? Okay. Well, in, in a previous business, I was, uh, I was running operations in Europe. It was actually a coffee company. And... We lived uh, overseas for uh, almost 10 years and decided to come back to America. In fact, I should say North America. We weren't even sure where we'd end up. And we 
ended up renting a uh, an RV. Our kids were six and eight years old, and the family drove 18,500 miles across the entire United States and, and parts of Canada, and we ended up settling in northern Colorado. And previously, we had lived in England, uh, in London, and we didn't see, you know, blue sky all day, you know, every day for a long time. It was very rainy every day there. And so we decided to settle in a place that had a lot of sunshine. And we ended up going out with the kids on these hikes a lot. This was you know, sort of our goal. And, you know, when you go on hikes, you want to bring snacks along. And we would go into the store and we'd buy the typical thing that you'd find in a grocery store, you know, bars, you know, for example, to eat. And we'd be out hiking. The kids would get hungry. We'd give them a bar and they, you know, snarf it down. And then we noticed that just very quickly, like 30 minutes later, they complained that they were hungry again. And we we're like, wow, how, you just ate, you know, 300 calories. How can you be hungry? And we look at the back of the package and we started to understand that the primary ingredients of most of these bars were grains. Sometimes they'd have some sugar that was kind of concealed. They would call it brown rice syrup or things like that. And so we started to understand that grains and sugar metabolize in the body very quickly. And they just go through you. They kind of spike your blood sugar up and then you get hungry. And as your insulin kicks in and your blood sugar starts crashing. And it doesn't matter how many calories you have, you're going to be hungry. And so what we started to ask ourselves, what would allow us to hike without carrying the whole meal with us and keep the kids quiet? And we started to lean toward protein. And, you know, there's jerky out there, for example, beef jerky. And that does work. You know, jerky will kind of stick to your gut a little bit better. But, you know, who eats a piece of meat for dinner, right? It doesn't look like a meal to me. And so Zora had this, uh, he was actually researching a, a particular kind of diet called the paleo diet, where people eat meat and vegetables or meat and vegetables and a little fruit. And we wondered, could we take these ingredients and mix them together and dehydrate them and create a snack that was savory and that would stick with you and give you energy for the trail? And she bought a home dehydrator on Amazon, and she started to mix the food together. And, well, well heck, that was, it started to work. And that was the first product. That was the Wild Zora Meat and Veggie Bar. And we started making them. And, of course, I have a, you know, this business background. And there was a local farmer's market. And we went to the farmer's market with some of Zora's bars and, and realized that, that people liked them. And they came back the next week to buy them again. And that was sort of the, our idea that, hey, we might have something here that, that more people would like. Maybe we should start a business. And so basically, you and your wife started this business together, and it remains to this day a still family-owned business, correct? Yeah, yeah, it's just us. So, you know, my wife and I have been running that for almost 10 years, and, you know, clearly this was Zora's idea. <laughs> she was, it was her brainchild to come up with the idea to mix the meat and veggies together and dehydrate it and make this convenient and healthy and tasty snack, and that was the first product, and that's how we got started, and uh, she's been in production ever since. So she does, she handles all production and R&D and the product roadmap. I'm in the, sort of in the background. My official title is husband, but, you know, I run the business operations, finance. I do some sales, marketing reports up for me, legal work. I know you can appreciate that, Peter. That's <laughs> sort of how we split our responsibilities. And by the way, you didn't ask, I, I can probably guess what your next question is. You know, how do you, how does it work? 
to get along with and work with your wife. And for us, I think an important component is that we do manage separate parts of the business. So, you know, we don't step on each other that way. I don't think it would work if we literally worked in the same room together. We don't. You know, I'm in the office. She's in production. You know, she manages the USDA. We're a USDA federally inspected facility. So we have federal agents in, in our building every single day, and she, she manages them, which is a good thing. <laughs> uh, and, you know, obviously we help each other. We're always, you know, we, we pass each other in the hallways, and we, you know, we're always stepping in. But, you know, I don't have to feel like, you know, I report to her or, or she reports to me. We, we definitely kind of operate independently. And I think that helps. The other thing that we realized after working together now for 10 years is that we always have something to talk about. <laughs> and, you know, we're building something together. You know, our kids are grown now and they're in college. And when the kids were growing up, we always had something to talk about. There was always, you know, an issue or something that we were trying to do with one or the other or both kids. And, you know, it was an endeavor that we shared, the creation of this family. And, you know, the kids grew up and now they got their own lives. And, now my wife and I are working on the business together. And so that's kind of taken the place of the creating of the family. Now we're creating the business. And so I think that's a good thing. I think it's important to have a healthy relationship to always have something that you share, that you work on collaboratively. If we didn't have that, you know, then I, I would hope that we would have something to share, you know, a sport or hobby or something. Uh, I think you got right. something that you share. Yes, no, absolutely. And thank you for giving us the insights on how the professional relationship is working. One of the questions that I did have as a follow-up is, so it's so great, like you mentioned, to be able to have something to have fodder around and talk about your empty nesters at this point, and so the business sort of fills that chat void. But I think a lot of people are curious to know, how do you not talk about it? Like, like that's the, I think a bigger challenge is not what you have to talk about, but do you yeah. find that you find that you need to go on like a date night and be like, we're not going to talk about any of the businesses tonight. And then are you able to even fulfill on that commitment to each other? Yeah. Well, you know, when you sleep with your business partner every night, <laughs> um, it does create an interesting challenge. Usually it's two or three in the morning. <laughs> and uh, some idea comes to your mind, and of course, we're talking about it to each other. So you know, you get an elbow on the ribs, and hey, honey, did you think about you know if we change the water activity of the you know the production run on the blah blah, blah and then suddenly we're having a conversation in the middle of the night. Yeah, it happens all the time, probably more than it should. But I don't know. You know, you got to take the better with the sweet. We also you know work through our issues very quickly. You know, it's fantastic to trust your business partners so, you know, perfectly. You know, that's, I've had other business partnerships and, and I've never, I've never had a better one, honestly, head on heart. My wife isn't even here. <laughs> and I can tell you that, you know, two things. First of all, I've never had a better and more functional business partnership, full stop. And also, this is partly just to do the fact that, you know, we've been together for 23 years. I've never had a better relationship with my wife than we have right now. It's we are just fantastic together. We still enjoy each other. We still respect each other. Maybe all the more because we can see almost every day the value that we are bringing to each other and to this mutual endeavor. So, you know, when it works, it works fantastic. You know, I, I don't know that it works for everybody. I've had a lot of people ask me, how do you do that? I don't think I could do that. I don't know. Like I said, as long as you have separate areas, you know, we can't be together 24-7. That's for sure. But, you know, 
I think that having this common goal really does help bind people together in the partnership. And so, you know, you know, in a marriage, so it, it works. That's so great. So that is what I want to parlay that into then is when you're talking that moving now into more scaling the business and right now it pretty much feels like it's or sounds like it's a family unit. A couple mm-hmm. of questions. One is, are you, are you planning to bring your children into the business? Is that something that they have an interest <laughs> in? <laughs> and if so, or if not, what are your plans to expand your team beyond the immediate team that you have currently? Yeah, yeah. So, first of all, the kids obviously have been involved in the business from day one. I, you know, the very first product that we had, you know, we had bags that were just empty, not printed, and we had labels made, and we stuck the labels to the bags, and, you know, guess who did that? It was the kids. You know, hey, uh, <laughs> son, you're, you're not going to do any homework tonight because we got some bags to make. <laughs> and, you know, even as they're older, in the summers, they've, they've spent time with us working in the business, so they're, they're you know, obviously been very helpful. But they also have independent lives. Our, our son works for, for Elon Musk. He's a rocket scientist, literally. Our daughter is uh, in, in college and, and learning to do something else other than <laughs> than, than uh, make uh, dehydrated food. So we don't think that the kids are going to run the business. That's not our our, uh, our planning at this point. On the other hand, we've always had people come to us and ask us, "So you started a business? Are you you know when are you going to exit? Tell us about your exit strategy." And like I've started, I've run a bunch of businesses, and, and as a young man, I I guess I. I held that same point of view that the whole goal of starting the business was to, to exit one day and make a gazillion dollars so I could go move to Tahiti and have a better life. You know, I guess that was the idea. But, you know, now that I've done it, I have to say that in my past businesses, I, I had one fairly significant exit and it was one of the hardest times of my life to be really, you know, hand on heart, you know, waking up in the morning and not have something to do. You know, you sort of define yourself by what you do. And when you meet people, it's always the second question they ask, you know, hi, what's your name? What do you do? And you don't want to answer it in the past tense. <laughs> and, you know, I was young and I had a lot of energy and just, I didn't know what to do with myself. I, I felt like a king without a castle. And, and I was just desperate, desperate to get back in the game. And that led me right into probably the worst failure of my entire life and career. I mean, you had asked me, about, you know, how long I intend to run the business if we intend to pass it to our kids. And I told you that the worst thing that ever happened to me was that I, I did exit from a business and, and we did make a bunch of money and I had a lot of freedom and I was sort of a lost soul for a while. And I think that that led me to basically jumping into the next business opportunity much too quickly and without fully vetting all of the risk. And then that led to uh, just a spectacular business failure where we lost a lot, <laughs> basically rolling ourselves all the way back to where we started. I did not go bankrupt. Everybody got paid, but it was it was pretty brutal. And that's what led us to decide to come back to America and to start over. And uh, it eventually led to starting up this, this business and now finally the punchline, which is that, you know, we're not building this business to exit. That, that is not the goal. Uh, and the reason is that what we've come to realize after all of these years in business is that the best thing in the world to wake up to is to have something to do, to uh, have a purpose, to make great products that help people because 
they have health concerns and you can make food that, that can alleviate those concerns to hire good people to work together to make these products, you know, to have this business and to work together with your wife and have a great relationship. That turns out is a whole lot better. And, you know, and we don't make a lot of money right now. Our, our business is not that big and, and uh, we have to be careful with every penny. But I can tell you hand on heart, I'm far happier than I was, you know, the day after we cashed a big check which is kind of amazing, but that's the truth. Well, that's such a wonderful way to start to wrap up this episode. I always wish we had more time to continue the conversation, but if someone wants to connect and continue the conversation with you super quick, let us know how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, definitely you could reach out to us. Our company is Wild Zora. We have a kind of an inbound email, which is info at wildzora.com. Anyone who sends us an email, if you want to try our food, just mention the, this uh, Ask Brian show and we'll give you a discount, the Ask Brian discount. Just shoot us an email and we'll, we'll get you on that. Yeah, and, and if anybody wants to talk to me personally, just ask to forward the email to Josh and, and I'll get it. And, and I, I respond to every email. So happy to help anybody who has a question in business or, or you know, I'll tell you what I, whatever I know if I, if I know the answer or know someone who can help. That's so great. And you can check everything out on our podcast, the Ask Brian podcast, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Peter? Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Great show, Josh. This is the Ask Brian Radio Show, KHS Troll 20, 98.1 FM. Over and out. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.